Hello and welcome to Soul Droids Podcast, episode number 120. This is Schmitty. This is Stark. This is your laugh track. <laughs> and this is Zook. <laughs> you know laugh track? That's a good point. He listened to we the last are... show. <laughs> yes, I did. We are... We're recording at a very different time for us. Normally we record this uh, late at night, uh, usually a Thursday or a Friday or sometimes a Wednesday. Here we are Saturday morning. So I'm missing my cartoons for this. So if you hear an energy drink in the background, that's what's going on. <laughs> uh, Zoner once again uh, joins us. Uh, last week he was off. However, we are back in full force. Yay. Dude. Full force. <laughs> Full force, half asleep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of, if I sound a little out of it, it's because I didn't get to sleep till three last night. Evidently, I finally got to the end of Fable Three, and it's just okay. Just one more enemy. I just have to kill one more enemy, and three a.m. rolls around. I'm like, ah, I should probably just go to bed. <laughs> I can quit any time I want. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my wife that. That's all she needs is an argument. <laughs> Into our headlines this week, we've got them kind of all over the place. Um, first off, a kind of funny one from Microsoft. Uh, Microsoft, of course, has uh, been talking about this for a while, but they're finally starting to really push on industry leaders and business partners to get rid of XP, Windows XP, that is. They released some numbers showing all the different users of the world and what their estimated usage of computer operating systems are. Right now, Windows 7 holds 44% of the world total, which is pretty impressive, right? Windows XP, 37%. For an operating system that's that old, that's impressive, but it's also... Do you think it's, do you think it's monetary? I think partially. What, what I want to point out here is kind of funny, and I, I pointed this out to Zoner earlier. Uh, right now, if you add up all the usage of Mac OS X, all the different versions, it comes to like 6.1% or 6.5% actually. Uh, Windows 8, because obviously it's hated, it's not working, right, is 5.1%. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I find it. I, I think I've, I've worked in a corporation where they were hesitant to upgrade to Windows 7. Of course, this is when Windows 7 came out, but this may still be the case. They didn't want to upgrade because a lot of the proprietary software we were using from other clients and stuff had not been updated to to be, to work on Windows 7. And so for that reason, they needed to stay on Windows XP. That may not be the case now because it's three or four years later, but I wonder if that might have something to do with a lot of the companies not switching yet. I'm wondering if the fact that so many companies and so many people hated Windows Vista so much that when Windows 7 came out, a lot of these companies and a lot of the individuals blew their budgets on upgrading to Windows 7, and then when Windows 8 came out fairly quickly for an operating system, and I'm not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm wondering if a lot of the companies were like, well, you know what? We've already blown our budgets on Windows 7. We're going to stick with Windows 7. I do agree that Windows XP should go away now. It's, it's, it's what, a 13-year-old, 10, 11, 13-year-old operating system? It's, it's almost 13 years, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Budget is a big reason, but not just companies' budget. I, companies is a big thing. I tried uh, pushing it at my work, my day job. Like, you know, we should really, we're going through a huge rollout where our techs are basically having to go and visit every single computer to roll out this new system we have. 
And I pointed out, you know, this might be an opportune time to then also replace the Windows XP machines and re-image them to 7. And the overwhelming pushback I got was, well, why? It still works. Why yeah. would we do that? <laughs> but I think a bigger reason is that people have not been buying new computers. I mean, XP was around for so long. If you bought a computer between 2001 and 2010, it was probably going to be a Windows XP machine. That's an entire generation to get rid of. It, and it's a rock-solid operating system. Yeah. The, the, the problem is is that in, in 2014, Microsoft will drop support, and if you're still on Windows XP, you'll no longer get updates, and you'll no longer be f- safe from hacker exploits. We're ta- yeah, we're talking yeah. security updates. Yeah, uh, in 200, from the point of this recording, in 268 days, uh, Microsoft will stop all support for Windows XP. Now, if you think, well, my XP just keeps working, it just works well, you know? You know, why should I replace it? Well, the only reason it's working so well is because right now Microsoft has an entire team of security experts who are constantly pushing updates and patches to it, and that's about to end. All right, do you think. Do you think that it's going to become a hacker's nightmare or a hacker's dream, uh, a user's nightmare, once that support actually stops? Turning these into zombie computers? If the market share is still at 37% a year from now, yes. Hackers well, yeah, I mean, definitely target these. Exactly. The only thing that was keeping Mac OS secure was its obscurity, right? Yeah. Well, here you're going to have a target-rich environment, to coin the phrase from Larry Korea. Um, (laughs) You're going to have a target-rich environment of unsecured computers that aren't obscure. They're one-third of the market. Which is which is an insane number. People really owe it to themselves. If you're not getting a new computer, at least upgrade the computer you have. Because it really doesn't cost that much in the long run. It's surprisingly simple. You know, if you need a guide, we'll we'll help you. We'll write up a guide. I have no problem with that. <laughs> go to store. Find a nerd. Have them build you one. There you go. Yeah. Pop it in. Hit setup. Go make a sandwich. <laughs> Speaking of plugging I security find, holes. <laughs> well, I, I was about to say, I, I do find it kind of funny that uh, Windows 8, that hated OS that no one likes, is the third place OS in the world. Yeah. Granted by a large margin. <laughs> Nobody likes it. And that all the versions of OS X combined barely overshadow it. All right. In uh, Google News, and and like uh, Stark said, we're following up here on a headline from last week. Uh, Google found that huge APK vulnerability in the Android marketplace. I guess it's actually the Google Play Store, I should say. Dating myself here. They have patched it. As we knew they would, because they're Google. Yay, thank you. (laughs) Microsoft patches things before we know it's an issue. Google patches things once they know it's an issue. Apple patches things when they are forced to. <laughs> Which is why Apple is awesome. Mm-hmm. After two weeks of denying that there's an issue. <laughs> yes. Um, in other Google News, the Hangouts, of which we're using one right now, are finally gaining the calling ability. So you will be able to call 
uh, use your we call landlines basically from a Google Hangout. Yeah, yeah. This feature was taken away when when uh, Google Talk was upgraded to Hangouts. You used to be able to do that through through Gmail, um, and a lot of people were kind of miffed at it at that fe- that the feature was taken away. But now it's back, and and I think it's a little bit better. Um, the quality is a little better, and uh, there's a little more features too. You can conference call now too so i part of me wonders what the usage for this actually is how many people are actually using it that actually was going to be the exact same question i was going to ask how many people actually use not only this one but they have the one on skype too you could use to call landlines it costs money on skype but yeah yeah, i was going to use skype constantly for work um i've even used it for the show here to call people who you know when we do interviews that don't have for individuals who don't have Skype but I've never once used Google to make an outbound call well see and I wonder if the whole sorry I was just kind of wondering if the whole reason uh, Google's even doing this is to combat Skype or to compete with it's not a huge need just just kind of well they have it so we need it too yeah I've used it a couple times, but honestly, it's only been to test it out. <laughs> I don't use it for uh, for any other purposes but to test it out. Um, it, this may become a lot more uh, a lot more used if if and when uh, Google Plus gets a little more uh, popular, uh, and especially if Google Voice gets implemented into Google Hangouts, and when Google Voice is built into the Android operating system. I, that's the kind of that's kind of the vision that I, I see Google go, going towards. I don't know if it's it's their actual end goal, but it's definitely where uh, most of us would like to see them get to. So. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of more changes in Google, and this is actually more for Android, but uh, at, at the Google I.O., they uh, showed some changes, a new interface, a new overlay for Google Maps, and uh, it launched. But what it also brought was the death of Google Latitude, probably one of Google Maps' coolest features that was never used by anyone. Uh, now, Schmidt, you and I have used Latitude quite a few times. Latitude is really handy because you could tell... If you, let's say Schmidt is at the movie theater and I don't know where the movie theater is and I'm supposed to be meeting him, he can publish his location on Google Latitude. I can find him on Google Latitude and route a path to us. Yeah. Now, it sounds kind of, well, geez, I mean, Waze can do that now or something like it. There's all these other places that can do something like that. But Latitude was kind of the first. And I believe this new mapping interface has uh, that functionality built into it already, so there's no point in having latitude. Right. Now, my kind of question is, is what do you think Google's endgame is for all this? Between, I mean, we ask that almost every week, it feels like, but they're rolling so many things into one app here, or combining apps there. Are they trying to really go for just a one single this is Google and everything's involved with it instead of this is Google and we have a module here and a module here and a module here. I'm using my hands to speak, which makes great radio. (laughs) Yeah, I I think you're right. I think they are trying to implement as many features as they can into into the Google product itself without having a lot of break-offs. And I think think they're looking back on the YouTube thing, for example, and and, uh, 
probably wishing they had kept that under the Google moniker, but um, I mean, it, it is Google, but it's just not called Google. And I think they want to keep everything the same as far as that goes. You know, I was kind of disappointed when they took Latitude away. I went, where, I was somewhere the other day, and I go to go to check in on Latitude. Uh, which I don't do often, but I didn't realize that that feature was actually going away with the new maps, and I was kind of disappointed and wondered exactly what you mentioned here. What's Google doing? Why? Yeah, you know that that was uh, something that they were com- trying to compete with Foursquare on to some extent, not real heavily, but to some extent. And uh, you know, I, I was very surprised by that. You can still check in now with uh, Google Plus. Um, obviously, it's not the same, and uh, the sharing sharing the location is a little differently. It works a little differently, but um, I think it's just more combining features that were redundant. Yeah, I I would agree with that one. I still wonder if they're kind of headed towards the Windows Phone model, where everything is baked into one core kernel, and it doesn't require as many branch offs. If only they try and consolidate power. Yeah, but that that would kind of fly in the face of what Android and Google users like, in that they can customize anything in there on their phone or on their device. So, in any case, um, uh, an interesting little tidbit also came out of all this. Uh, Jelly Bean has finally passed Gingerbread in terms of installation base. <laughs> I don't think this is intentional. Yeah, I don't think this is intentional. I think this is just because people finally got rid of their gingerbread devices and they had no choice but to get a jelly bean one. Yeah, yeah I, I think you're exactly right on. My wife finally got rid of her old Incredible 2, uh, which is a great phone, but uh, she went with it at Galaxy S4. She's like, it's time to upgrade. I can't run certain apps on this anymore. And Yeah. She needs that candy crush. It was actually Zombies Run. <laughs> Zombies Run 2 ah. is not compatible with Gingerbread. Um, there, It will still run. The older versions will still run, but you can't get any updates for it. So, uh, my, my wife and I came to an interesting conclusion about Candy Crush on her Android while she was playing it. Uh, I'm sitting there trying to fall asleep in bed, and she's there cursing at the chocolate. Which you, you never hear a game. woman do. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I said. Too. I'm like, what has this game done to condition you to hate chocolate and candy so much? It's like, you know, aversion therapy. It's like it's trying to actually make you be healthy by making you hate what you once love. It's actually just, brilliant. We, we both decided it's Michelle Obama. <laughs> well, and that maybe that's why Mexico is now fatter than the U.S. because so many Americans are playing Candy Crush; they don't want to eat it. It's our new health regimen: five dollars subs and Candy Crush. That's how we stay fit as a nation. <laughs> okay, Schmidt's dying of emphysema off mic. Uh, we can still see him though. He's turning blue there. <laughs> I got better. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost out of cough drops. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to last much longer. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, well, let's get to another joke here. Blackberry. Um, <laughs> nice segue. Decided that right now they're. In, <laughs> thank you. They've decided that right now they're kind of in a period of transition, and they're asking for patience during this turnaround. Um, How many times have they asked for patience? This, 
not just that, how many transitions are they making? I'm sorry, they're getting another CEO? Well, they've had two CEOs in the past. Maybe they... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they, they, wanted, they wanted patience when they transitioned from their co-CEO setup to, uh, to Paul Thornton. Uh, Thorsten Hines. I don't know why I said Paul Thornton. I think he's a Windows guy. Sorry. Uh, Thorsten, Thorsten Hines. But he asked for patience, but did everything wrong. So no one was giving any patience. And now that uh, doing everything wrong for over a year hasn't worked, now he's asking for patience again while they're waiting for turnaround. What turnaround are they expecting? I mean, they didn't really announce anything. Well, they did announce that they're coming out with new phones that aren't running uh, BlackBerry 10 or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. I forgot to put that in the show notes, but I think I sent you that. They're launching a new phone, a brand new phone running BlackBerry OS 7. Huh? You know, that four-and-a-half-year-old OS that can't do anything? So I think what he's talking about is they want people to have patience while their new devices boot up. <laughs> I think they want patience while they cu- currently work on BlackBerry OS 11. <laughs> Due out first quarter of next year or third quarter or maybe the first quarter after that or maybe two years on from that. Or maybe and- 2018. And once again, with the video cameras, we can all see the face palms. Yeah, we, we need like a, a four-way facepalm slap sound effect. Just, <laughs> I, what is what? What are they thinking? I know we hate on BlackBerry a lot, and if you're a BlackBerry fan out there, I feel for you. But come on, there is there is nothing about this that sounds like it's going to work. They're not even treading water at this point. Well, you know, and, and it, I. I've got a friend who's a BlackBerry user, and he always complains, and this is one of their big selling points, is their email security and all that. He doesn't get half the email that I send to him because BlackBerry? I don't know. And and he was talking to me the other day, and he's like, well, what can I do? I said, get an Android. (laughs) (laughs) Simple as that. I never have problems getting my email. Well, and... And you're right. You're absolutely right because people who use BlackBerry still cling to that stigma. Well, BlackBerry is the most secure there is. No one does email like BlackBerry. Well, you know, except for the rest of the world. You know, they do email like BlackBerry, but maybe they don't. And the real world experience here, uh, this last week, we lost someone at my day job uh, very high up. Someone with access to uh, very sensitive information. And it was not a pleasant termination. Well... We have two separate systems. We have the people who are on Blackberries using the BlackBerry Enterprise Server, and we have the people who are on everything else using a different mobile device management suit. Well, this person had a BlackBerry, and we learned kind of the wrong way that if you terminate their account on the network and terminate their mailbox, terminate everything else, it doesn't automatically terminate their access on their BlackBerry. Ooh. They still have access into secure company documents and their secure environment there because BlackBerry does not reference the rest of the network or the network security. It's its own thing. Uh-oh. Did, did he leave you know a trail of destruction? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they kind of did. Wow. 
thanks blackberry that should be our new meme not thanks obama <laughs> thanks blackberry <laughs> Sounds like a show title. Make well, me, I don't yeah. know if we want that as a show title or not. But <laughs> make me hate chocolate. Thanks, Black. <laughs> okay, into Apple news. I know we kind of mentioned them earlier, but uh, let's let's center a bit more on them. They were were found guilty. There was a lawsuit brought up. Uh, long? How long ago? Oh, the, the the ebook lawsuit was quite some time ago that they were in collusion. Yeah. Yeah, they've been going for a long time, but they've been found guilty. Apple and five other publishers have been found guilty of price fixing. Yeah, I think we talked about this last year when it first yeah, came Yeah, th- this out. is price fixing it's... for the ebooks. Now, if you're wondering what that is, well, let's put it this way. A normal book, you go to a reseller, like you go to Barnes & Noble or... or no, it's just Barnes & Noble now, huh? Uh, but you go to a bookstore and you buy a book and let's say it's a paperback and it's $12. Well, that price includes the printing, the getting it out there, shipping it, storing it on a stand. You know, it, it takes all that into account. An ebook, no such problem. You don't even need to. Uh, you don't even need to format it. You basically just drop a text file into a ebook publisher and you put it out on the web. And so the argument has always been: well, ebooks shouldn't cost as much as normal books. And Amazon can get away with paying, selling a lot of ebooks for ninety nine cents or a dollar forty nine. So why is it ebooks from Apple all cost so much more? And why is it after Apple joined the ebook market that publishers started raising the price on Amazon? Well, it's because they were illegally colluding into an oligopoly and price fixing it. Whoops. Yep, and they were found guilty. And this included, like, textbook manufacturers. Yeah, that's something we've talked about before, about how keeping textbooks up to date would be easy with this with this e-publishing. Yeah. And, and that doesn't really surprise me that textbooks manufacturers were in on it, because, frankly, they all suck. So, or, or publishers, not manufacturers. I guess they manufacture textbooks, too, but whatever. You know what I mean. Yeah, it is a business, and I understand that publishers need to make money, and I don't want to cheat them out of that because I like books. Ditto. You know, I'd hate to see. I would hate to see the book publishing industry in the same spot that the music and the movie industry are in, because books are important to me. They're more important than music or, or movies. But at the same time, this is a new world. You can't get your money by price fixing and stealing from us. Maybe it's time to reevaluate the business model. <laughs> yeah. uh, into uh, other Apple news and another Apple lawsuit. No surprise here. I want to say this is like a two-year-old thing because we made fun of it, like in, in some of our first episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. But Apple had gone after Amazon and Google at the time when this first came out because they were going to use the term app store. Well, app store is two words are our two words that Apple said, well, no, no, that's ours. You can't use the word app and you can't use the word store in that context. Well, Which sounded kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And we made fun of them. And for so that. <laughs> we made fun of them like crazy. And so Google said, okay, whatever. We're the Google marketplace. And now we're the play store. 
personally, I think they should have stuck with Marketplace, but whatever, I don't care. Microsoft just sidestepped the whole issue by just saying store. And Amazon said, nope, we're going to stick with App Store. Well, they finally decided to drop the lawsuit after, what, what, what was it you were telling me, Stark? Two years. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Amazon, in their defense, had found a video of Steve Jobs and how he used the term App Store was, was going to be a generic term for all the, all the companies to use. I mean, I don't have the exact phrasing in front of me, but basically that was what Amazon was using in their own defense. And you know what's funny? I'm kind of surprised that worked. I, I, I guess if it's our, if the standards already been set, you know, and they're like, hey, you know, he he, he said here, he's like, this is something everybody's going to be able to use. But essentially, what it came down to is that, according to the article, Apple actually had to negotiate with Amazon so that Amazon wouldn't counter sue them. So. Amazon had at least some bullets in their gun in order to defend themselves on this and could easily have fired back to 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 go after Apple. And I guess they just said, you know what, we just want to move on. Because again, as we talked about, this thing's been going on for years. Uh, yeah. March 2011. Which I know doesn't sound like a long time ago, but again, one year in, in, in real life is seven years in the computer world. Right. Especially in the mobile industry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, especially in the mobile industry. But um, I, I just, this kind of reminds me of uh, something maybe Zoner wrote about on our site, StolenDroids.com, a while back about Lucas saying something very similar about his own movies. <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Rage, coming out. Yeah, he, come, he testified oh. before Congress. You can't alter, or he was talking about colorizing films. He says you can't colorize films because if you allow these films to be restored and colorized, the way that they're doing, then before long, you're going to have actors being replaced by younger, more attractive actors inserted digitally. What did he do? The guy's a freaking hypocrite. I hate him. I hate him. Thanks, Blackberry. He's talking about classics. Thanks, Blackberry. He doesn't consider Star Wars classics? (laughs) Apparently not. It, it, It applies to everyone but him, which, you know, is kind of how the Hollywood elite and others that think they're better than everyone operate. So that's kind of how Apple operates. Yeah, they think they're better. They think they're above the law. Makes sense. And unfortunately, uh-huh. they are treated as such. So uh, leaving the tech note here, I, I have to remember that this is Saturday morning. We're recording, and we're watching Zoner's uh, background. And every once in a while, there's a child who just comes into frame, stops dead, realizes that daddy's recording something and either ninjas their way across the room or backs <laughs> out slowly, Mr. Bean style. Well, you know, it's funny because when we did our Cliff Brockman interview from Finding Bigfoot a couple weeks ago, uh, before you got on the line with us, Zook, I was chatting with him for about a half hour and he he all of a sudden says, I just saw a little person. And my kids kept poking their heads into the camera frame to try and see him. And yeah, it was really funny. My daughter. Are you sure he didn't like mean outside in his outside his window, like making calls, (laughs) leaving prints? There's a leprechaun. (laughs) I think our interview would have stopped then. Probably. Okay. uh, (laughs) Into more headlines. We got a load of them this week. Uh, 
so this whole prism nsa thing government collusion with tech companies uh has it, it it's still going it's still going in fact this week we found out that microsoft actually willingly worked with the government to help out with that giving the government back-end access to their servers that even bypass their own cryptographic standards just straight root access so yay two thumbs up but you know a lot of the companies it turns out actually charge the government for this sort of access gee they're gonna make they're gonna make some money on the side wow i would like i would appreciate it if they kind of pass some of that savings on to us you know uh, this article here on on, on the AP uh, brings up AT&T. Uh, they impose a $325 activation fee for every wiretap and $10 a day to maintain it. Now, US you're cellular. thinking that's probably not a lot, but you have to remember there's like, what, almost a half a million wiretaps they're doing? Oh, yeah. Um, Verizon... $775 for the first month, $500 every month after that. So it's not like they're making it super easy for the government to do this. I think that was the intent. You know, hey, look, if you're going to do this, we're going to make some money off of it, and it's not really great that you're doing it, so we're going to make it as hard as possible. And not to turn this into a political rant, but do you think the government cares how much it costs, or you think they're just racking that up and writing it off to the deficit? No, I don't think they care because it's we, the citizens, who are paying for it through our taxes. Yeah. Well, the, so we're we're paying to have our own privacy. There is some notes in the article saying that there were some representatives saying, "Let's not turn this into a cash cow for the for the phone companies." But I'm pretty sure we're still having the same government issue. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. You know what? I actually let, let me play devil's advocate here, and this may actually be an attractive alternative. Okay, sure. You know what? I don't pay for my email. I don't. I have multiple email accounts, and I don't pay for a one of them. And I know in the back of my mind, or even in the forefront of my mind, that Google or Microsoft or Yahoo or whoever has my email account has full access to read any and all of them. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the price I pay. You know what? Okay, government, if you're going to be charging this and if you're going to be giving money to the carriers to do this, I want free cellular service. You can have all my phone calls and all my data and all my text records. I don't want to pay for any more cellular service. But if they can get it for free, why give you something in return? Well, they're not getting it for free, evidently. Evidently, they're being charged for it, too. But They're being charged more than my phone bill is but um we're not having to it it, it let's I, let I, never it mind i i this. don't know where i'm going i i know what i'm trying to let say but i way. can't if, say it if i'm a verizon customer and i say shoot the president and oh, they <laughs> more face palms. Uh, and I actually like our president. I know a lot of people don't. So I don't want people to think that I'm actually like uh, insinuating a subliminal message or anything. It's not a Gabby Giffords moment here. I don't want any harm. But that is something that would get you on people's radar for a wiretap, right? So let's say I'm a Verizon customer and I say something like that. I get onto an NSA watch list. I'm paying... Mm, 
let's say a hundred dollars a month for my service and my wife's service because we're on a pretty low key family share plan. And the NSA is paying an additional $500 a month. They're paying five times the amount I pay for the service just to listen in on the service. If they're already paying that amount, why should I have to pay Verizon that amount? Again, playing devil's advocate, some people may think that maybe if it is costing a lot, that maybe the government would actually have to make sure they have some real proof that there's something going on that they have to listen to this. The only problem is, is according to the article, um, it's even found that some of these some of these records have been turned over for as less as twenty five bucks, and even Facebook says, you know, we didn't even charge the government for access to our servers. But they're kicking themselves in the... <laughs> yeah, they're probably reading this article going, wait a second! <laughs> Zuckerberg's going, I bet you we could have put ads in it, too. <laughs> Are you a lonely NSA agent? <laughs> Would you like a purple cow? It may be a spy. One in ten is an enemy combatant. <laughs> While you're snooping on Schmitty, help him on his farm. <laughs> Please, uh, I really need help on my farm. <laughs> all right, into some gaming news. Um, it turns out that EA, uh, Electronic Arts, really doesn't like Nintendo's new Wii U. For the weirdest of reasons, too. And at first, I, I, I didn't really understand what they were saying, but now I think they might actually have a point. Which you do know is a sign of the apocalypse when Zuka's agreeing with EA. <laughs> They're saying that the Wii U is not really a multiplayer platform. And in a strange way, I kind of agree with them. Now, for reminder, the Wii U is different than the Wii in that it has updated graphics, it has some more advanced networking, but it also has that really huge controller where one person acts as the main and everyone else acts as little pawns or minions. And only one of those controllers can be paired to a console. So two players can't have an, an equal playthrough with the game. Only one can have that kind of playthrough. Which, by its very nature, means that this is a one-person-per-console setup. So you hmm. double your sales if you have a couple who wants to play. Yay! Brilliant marketing! Yeah. Not... Great. However, that's not really awesome for gamers who like to sit down together or EA who likes to market multiplayer games. Yeah. So basically, it's just EA's philosophy con uh, conflicting with Nintendo's philosophy of just wanting to give you a, a game system and here you can play this by yourself. Yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, EA's multiplayer philosophy, quote-unquote, is also what gave us the new SimCity. So, <laughs> maybe this isn't the right gun to stick to, EA. Thanks, BlackBerry. <laughs> EA also doesn't like the Wii U because it doesn't support crippling DRM. Um, talking about people who do like... Oh, I guess we should continue with the game news. Let's let's jump down there. Plants vs. Zombies 2, the follow-up to that super popular mobile game, launched. Kind of. Just not in the country you're in. Unless you're in... Unless you're where is it? Australia or New Zealand or somewhere? Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, we call this a team. Well, you know, I think... And I hate you for I, it. I think the interesting thing about that is they said they want to make sure that their servers can handle the load. And then they clarified, it's not because of DRM, it's because we want people to actually be able to download the game. There's no DRM on it, that, and 
involves constant online connection. We just want you to download it. So wouldn't this be like something they can do in a beta test? Yeah, I wish Blizzard had thought of this every time they do uh, a launch. Yeah, I, I think Stark to some extent. Uh, yeah, but EA did their beta tests with SimCity, and we still see what a horrible abortion yeah, of a launch true. that was. I think of it more of like a phased rollout, like what Google does with their big features. Yeah. True, true. Or even Facebook does that as well, and we'll get to that here in a headline. Point is, if you're looking forward to uh, Planets vs. Zombies 2, hold on, it'll come. Into companies that like each other, CBS has decided they now like Netflix. Yay! Go fig, because no one likes any other online streaming. They are going to bring out CSI New York and many other shows. They're going to actually... They're bringing out a whole load from their from their vault to Netflix. They've renewed they've renewed a lot of the shows they already have, and yes, they are bringing a whole bunch of new shows in. And I will tell you this much: the reason for it being is because CBS is making money. They're going, wow, look at look at this new market, and uh, they're this is where, like I said, this is where TV's heading. We're going to online streaming. This is our a la carte. But I digress because I've already, I know I've already preached this before. Oh. You, you know what else that CBS owns that's all on Netflix? All Star Trek. Star, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that was one of the big headlines. Netflix is keeping Star Trek. Trekkies rejoice. <laughs> well, and also, there's Jericho, which w- yes. was the ill-fated program from a few years ago that everybody loved, but apparently nobody watched. So, um, I'm hoping that this enables Jericho to see a third life on Netflix. For those of you who are just now joining the podcast and have never listened to a previous episode, we have now covered the three things about Zoner. <laughs> Lucas. He hates EA and SimCity. He misses Jericho. So much. <laughs> and he, <laughs> well, and then the 3.1, the, the minor trifecta, he brings up that that's a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> well, speaking of online streaming, one of the things we've been talking about for a while is who was going to buy Hulu? Who was going to buy Hulu? Who was going to buy Hulu? Well, now, now before... We, we should bring up why people were selling Hulu, and it's because the, the owners who actually own it, uh, 20th Century, 21st Century Fox, Disney, NBC, they hate it. Mm-hmm. They don't want it. So yeah. they've been trying to get rid of it for Three years a now? Year. Yeah. Yeah. And, and who's going to buy them? Apparently nobody. <laughs> <laughs> they've decided to not only not sell it, they're going to dump $750 million of capital to upgrade the system they hate and want to get rid of. So again, proof that streaming is where it's going to go. I mean, when because when, NBC Universal, that's Comcast. That's a cable company. If a cable company is investing in online streaming, I'll let you connect the dots. <laughs> yeah, I, there's one reason, one reason and one reason alone why they're keeping it and why they're dumping money into it. Because they don't dump money in as a charity, Mm-mm. especially not for a project they hate. They're doing this because consumers have spoken. Consumers love this series, this system. They love this service. And that is the only reason they're keeping it around. 
if it weren't for you, the consumers, they would have had their way, and they just would have axed it. I just connected the so, dots and got a picture of a llama. I don't know. Does that... <laughs> oh, you got the wrong picture. Oh, Thanks, okay. Blackberry. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Black. Take <laughs> <laughs> it. New catchphrase. <laughs> I'm going to have fun time making the image for this post. Okay. Um, wow. Our last few headlines kind of jump around the place, so let's get going with it. Uh, first off, the Pirate Bay, which is a great place if you're getting torrents, the founder of it said in an interview that he thinks it should be shut down, which is kind of odd. But, you know, it's interesting when you look at his reasoning for that. He thinks that something better will come along he it's it's almost i i got the impression that's almost as if he feels that innovation is being stifled because it's so torrenting is so prevalent that there's nothing new there's no need for anything new to come out that that was the impression i got is he talking about you're you thinking like a new like version of torrent or a new new method to go ahead and deliver video faster or files faster yeah that's probably yeah, that's probably part of it. I mean, that's that's kind of like Bear Share or Kazaa, if you remember back in the day. I mean, uh, after Net, uh, sorry, after Napster and Audio Galaxy went by the wayside, we seem to have a new quote unquote standard method of file sharing every week, and it was almost like, and even even the people behind Audio Galaxy and Napster, whatever his bucket was. They couldn't even stand by it anymore because we had moved past it. Well, at this point, we haven't moved past torrenting. It's been around for, what, six, seven years now? Yeah. And it's still just as strong as it was before. It actually is the standard now. And I think I think Zoner's right. I think that's a good point, Zoner, that you bring up, that he's just kind of saying, we need to move on. It's time for the next big change. And if we keep holding to these old ones, it's not going to happen. But speaking devil's advocate again, and I'm not expecting an answer. It's just kind of a question to, to mull around. Maybe the reason torrenting is still so popular is because torrenting at this moment really is the most efficient and best way to transfer large things. Yeah. The most efficient way that's easy to set up. Yeah. There, there are other methods that, that are more efficient as far as transfer rates go, but they're so hard to set up that, the niche of people that use, that use them is so small. So, yeah. Okay. Um, into robot uprising news. <laughs> I know, not a, not a category we a cover very often. A team of researchers have found that by inlaying certain gold, uh, they're not really saying how, but by using gold in artificial skin, they can actually simulate senses. Right now, your, your skin is actually your largest organ on your body, and it's this huge sensory array that can detect changes in pressure, humidity, temperature, pain, um, smoothness, roughness. I mean, you name it, your skin can... They've even said that the certain areas of your skin actually have taste receptors as well. Uh, so which is kind of crazy and weird to think about. I think I'm going to take a shower now. Um, but these researchers have managed a way to mimic that in artificial skin, thereby giving robots the ability to sense changes in humidity and temperature. So we're building the skin jobs from Battlestar Galactica. 
Yeah, what are these guys thinking? Haven't they seen any sci-fi ever? <laughs> and I'm not talking like the kind of sci-fi that sucks a shark up a tornado and throws it at a person with a chainsaw. I'm talking like actually good sci-fi, where all these wonderful sentient robots thank us for these innovations we've invented by killing us. <laughs> Thanks, Blackberry. <laughs> I don't think artificial skin would start the robot uprising. Wouldn't that make robots susceptible to pain? And Well, the idea behind it is actually the, it's going hand-in-hand hand with prosthetics right now, which is, which is valid. I can see that. Hey, if you've lost a limb for whatever reason, be it an accident, be it uh, from birth, whatever you want a more advanced prosthetic that can do more things and regain some of that lost sensory input, right? However, the Cylons use them for infiltration. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, we're going to jump here uh, into a couple last headlines. This one kind of goes back to Google, but I feel it's worth talking about. Japan recently found out that, and I say Japan like the entire country recently found out, that Google Group's default privacy settings aren't really that private. A newspaper in Japan found that uh, quite a few of the ministers uh, of the interior had been using Google Groups to discuss policy change and whatnot, thinking that their privacy settings were set correctly, only to find that their entire conversations were indexed and up on the web for anyone to see using Google Groups. They were going to run the story up until they found out their own newspaper was doing the same thing. Insert dough here. (laughs) Uh, So, evidently, Google Groups are not good for enterprise use. Oops. In other Google or Scroogled news... As Microsoft likes to say, a Google engineer found a security flaw with uh, with Microsoft, with I think Internet Explorer actually, and just put it out there onto the web, published it actually to the Black Hat sites, hmm. which is bad and a big no-no if you're considered a white hat um, hacktivist or hacker. Now, the Google engineer in question said, well, I did that because I don't think Microsoft would really do anything, and it's really, really hard to submit security bugs and get them to do anything about it, to which I'm calling um, Bolshevik, because Microsoft has like one of the largest security teams of any company out there. Their security team is larger than some other corporations. They release so many security patches so frequently that they're able to keep a 13-year-old OS running long after it should be dead. (laughs) So, I'm calling crap on that. Uh, Finally, and this could be a fast lane. Yes, we have fast lanes again. Uh, But Orson Scott Card is finding that his homophobic ranting from a couple years ago might actually affect that movie he's been trying to get made for years. People are not happy with it. He actually at one point said that he would work to overthrow any government that ever allowed gay marriage. And now that, uh, you know, the Defense of Marriage Act was shot down by the Supreme Court, he's asking people for tolerance, which a lot of people in the uh, LGBT uh, community are kind of laughing about because that was the one thing he wasn't giving them. Uh, Not trying to say anything political or otherwise here, but... 
we, we have a, a friend, Larry Korea, who is a huge gun nut. He's very libertarian. He's very outspoken. But even he has kind of agreed, yeah, you're allowed your views. But if you have your views, don't be surprised if suddenly people don't want to... You know, you're allowed your views. You're allowed your First Amendment. But people are also allowed to not agree with you and not buy your stuff afterwards. <laughs> this Oops. <is> true. <laughs> All right. Um, before we head into our fast lane, we need to bring up our sponsors. We are brought to you by our friends over at TrekRadio.net, CryptonRadio.com, OpenBookAudio.com, and Stitcher.com. Uh, and into our fast lane... Uh, first off, after receiving notice that it had some computer malware installed on its network, the United States Department of Commerce went on a spree of destruction to root out the problem, going so far as to destroy their computers, printers, monitors, and mice. Over $170,000 worth of equipment was destroyed, and they only stopped at that amount because they had run out of money and were waiting for a budget increase so they could destroy the rest of it. I guess no one told them a copy of Spybot was free. <laughs> Want to know how to, lose, how to lose a job at a TV station? Post vacation names for the pilots of the crash day Seattle flight. Way to stay classy there, interns. Hey, Florida, do, you, do your lawmakers just not like computers and smartphones? Lawmakers once again show that they don't know how the Internet works and they're rushed to ban Internet cafes. They accidentally banned all computers. And millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. I fear something terrible has happened. Actually, something terrible has. A dumpster diving artist found a large number of discarded comic books that someone had thrown out and turned them into a life-size paper mache sculpture of a man. The comics were later valued at $30,000 and included an issue of Avengers number one. He sees nothing wrong with this, though, proving that he is a complete idiot. Uh, back to the world of EVE Online as insanely expensive items. This week, a player in the game lost a rare faction super cat carrier priced at nearly 9,000 real-world dollars. I guess it's time for him to start grinding those starting missions again. Be careful next time you follow instructions given by the emergency broadcast system, as industry experts have discovered that it's surprisingly easy to hack. Citizens may not even realize that they're listening to a compromised message until it starts referencing all their base belonging to someone else. All right, uh, and into our talking point. Our talking point this week is brought to you by Salt Lake Comic Con. Kind of fitting considering our what our talking point is. Again, Salt Lake Comic Con is happening this September in Salt Lake City, Utah. If you're in the area, please come on by. We want to see you. You want to see this. It is going to be epic. Uh, our talking point this week is uh, talking from... Uh, it's referencing an article that came out from the Geek League of America talking about the top ten most powerful and influential geek directors or filmmakers. Now, I had a, a, an opportunity to talk with Dr. Squishy, our resident film and geek comic expert. He is not joining us. He's uh, seeing Pacific Rim right now. So uh, he wanted to be on this one. But So I have his way in on this, but we're going to run down this list here and say whether or not we agree with it. And we want to hear what you think, too. Feedback at SoulAndroids.com if uh, there's something that's absolutely wrong. Number 10, speaking of Pacific Rim, is Gilmore del Toro. Uh, now, most people go, well, he's doing Pacific Rim and what else? Well, you may forget that he did Kronos, he did Mimic, he did Blade 2, he did Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, Hellboy 2. Um, he worked on the Hobbit film, which don't hold that against him. He did The Devil's Backbone. The guy has vision, right? 
And I'm kind of surprised that he's so low on the list because he's a geek like us. You can't look at what he creates and not think that. He may not be a sci-fi or tech geek, but you look at that and go, yeah, this guy played a lot of D&D in his day. And if you have seen Pacific Rim yet, it is just a geek wet dream. It's it, a geek it, is, it is amazing how geeky this movie is, and it is so, so much fun. Yeah, so, I mean, you can give the guy 20 bucks and a weekend in your backyard, and he'll make something incredible. So, yeah, I think his position on the list is kind of deserved. I'm surprised he's not higher. Squishy, well, not Squishy, I'm sorry. The writer said that he barely squeaked in, but I don't think he really, I don't think they really know what they're talking about. Uh, he's also going into development for the TV series for The Incredible Hulk. And supposedly he's set to direct and produce a film based on supernatural-themed DC Comics character titled Dark Universe. Number nine, Sam Raimi. Now, this one... Okay, so you have the Evil Dead series, right? You have the Spider-Man series, the first three. Dark Man. Squid... Dark Man, yeah. Um, Drag Me to Hell. Oz the Great and Powerful. Squishy was... I, I thought this was deserved until Squishy brought up the fact that his last real geek movie was the worst Spider-Man movie ever. Spider-Man 3. Yep. Now, does he still deserve to be on the list based on past accomplishments? You know, past contributions to the art, as it were? If we're basing this on current works, yeah, I, I, I see your point. Huh. Current works, maybe not. I guess overall, and that's what they're basing it off of, you know, contribution. But. Well, the cool thing about his movies, though, is there's always a Bruce Campbell cameo, so. That's a good point. <laughs> Just saying. Geek point. So, so maybe plus two, you know. <laughs> Bruce Campbell keeps him on the list, so that's not, that's not really great. Um. Yeah, upcoming projects. He's uh, he has to do an Oz sequel. Yeah, it wasn't the sequel to Oz the Great and Powerful, The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, I think it's been done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, number eight, Michael Bay. Now, Stuff at first, up I kind really of good. revolted. Yeah. At first, I kind of revolted against this one, and then I thought about it. You know, actually, they make a good point. Now, of course, we know him from Pearl Harbor, Armageddon, The Rock, Transformers, Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2. And, and here's the reason why I kind of agree with him. If anyone else had done that Transformers movie, it would have been just as bad and half as enjoyable. Yep. I can see that. <laughs> and there's uh, a I, lot of... I agree with him. Go ahead, Shmini. I agree with him being on the list since every movie he makes is exactly what was going on in my head when I was playing with toys as a young boy. <laughs> Someone's just taking the characters and mashing them together. <laughs> well, and you know, you say ha uh, the Transformers movie would have been half as enjoyable. There's a lot of people out there that say it wasn't enjoyable as all at all. So if it was only half of it, half as enjoyable as it already was, that could have been pretty bad. Do you remember that Captain America movie from the mid-90s? Yes, I do. That was horrible. <laughs> it would have been that. Yes, it would have. It would have been Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lindgren. Hey, I loved that okay? movie. I, I think people forget just how bad geek movies can be. 
So the fact that it made that much money and was enjoyable for that many, and frankly, my kids don't know Transformers like I know Transformers. Bumblebee was never a Volkswagen Beetle. He's always been a Camaro to them. And they have Michael Bay to thank for that. I might put him lower on the list, but yeah, I think he does kind of deserve to be on the list. Well, and he's also doing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise now as well, so... Teenage Mutant... uh, Teenage Alien Ninja Turtles. No, I think they went away from the aliens. They're back to just mutants. So... Yeah, I... I guess he had to pick his battles on that one. Uh, Number seven is Zack Snyder. Now, obviously this guy deserves to be on the list because has he made a single movie that wasn't a geek property? I don't think so. And I've liked all of his movies. So. Sucker Punch was a little bit much, but I still enjoyed it. It was was what it was, though. It was... It was fantasy with hot chicks and fighting and samurais and giant it's a robots. Guilty pleasure. And, yeah. Yeah, yes, you're right. It is guilty pleasure. I kind of see him like Baz Luhrmann is a really far out there director in terms of he's a, he's a far out drama geek. Zack Snyder is a far out geek. You know, if you watch, and the reason I say it, if you watch a Baz Luhrmann film, you can tell you're watching a Baz Luhrmann film. He's doing things just because he can, just because it's drama, just because you know that's his background. Zack Snyder does things because, well, because he's a geek. He's a comic book geek, and he's he's pushing that envelope. And you can tell that in everything you watch. Uh, people are saying that he obviously is going to be doing Man of Steel 2. It's already been fast-tracked, and he's likely on point to direct Justice League. Uh, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, he, he yeah. he's. I mean, dude did the Batman trilogy. He was involved with Man of Steel. He definitely deserves this list. I. He did more successful Batman movies than anyone else. Yes. <laughs> because at at movie three, we had dropped Tim uh, Tim Burton and had moved on to Joel uh, Schumacher. <sighs> yeah. So. Three movies. I didn't like the third one as much, but he still did more good Batman than anyone else. However, I don't think he deserves number six. Maybe that's just me. Uh, Next up, he's uh, working on a time travel epic called Interstellar. Steven Spielberg. This is one that, as uh, as as Squishy pointed out, maybe he shouldn't be on this one because, yes, he is instrumental but at the same time, when, what's the last big one he's done? He's almost on there just, uh, that's the ob- obligatory old guy on here. Well, you know, and it's interesting that Spielberg's on the list, but Lucas is not. I know. I found that really interesting. Because if you're going off past accomplishments, which it appears they are, um, I don't know. That that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But, I mean, he, he yeah. has made some epic geek movies. Of course, they were all in the 70s and 80s. He is currently well, doing Under the Dome, which is a, a, a geeky TV series. And he's also a producer for Falling Skies, and he's yes. going to be doing the Halo series. And uh, supposedly he's going to be doing another Indiana Jones, but heaven help us if that happens. So he is still working, and he has upcoming projects, whereas Lucas is simply retired and selling everything he has. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's interesting that he's on there and Lucas is not. Number four, Peter Jackson. I think Spielberg should have been above Jackson if we're talking about I, I agree. And contributions. 
I agree. But I do think he still agrees to be. Yeah, yeah. But I still think he should be on here, like you said. Yeah. Um, geez, if you don't know who Peter Jackson is, where have you been the last ten years? <laughs> but uh, you know, we have the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We have the Hobbit trilogy. Don't hold that against him. Uh, upcoming projects. He has the Hobbit sequels, all fourteen hours of them, and evidently a sequel to Tintin or Tantan. How do you pronounce that? Number three, James Cameron. Aliens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. I agree with this one entirely. Uh, and everyone's like, oh, well, Titanic. Yeah, who cares? Oh, Avatar. Yeah, who cares? You know what? They're, they're well-thought-out, no, I should say well-realized movies. He had a vision, and it's a rather geeky vision, if you look at it, with the exception of Titanic. And it's fully realized. It's fully done. Not only that, but he's also very instrumental in space exploration and deep sea exploration, which geek points there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, agreed. Um, we're running long here, so let's jump through them and uh, skip our favorites. But J.J. Abrams. Lens flare! Yes. <laughs> yeah, if we could do without the lens flare. But yeah, we have Super 8, which is his geeky homage to the 80s Spielberg films. We have the Star Trek films. We have Mission Impossible 3. We have Lost. We have Revolution. We have Fringe. We have... Did I say Alias? Because we have Alias. Uh, and we have uh, all the upcoming Star Wars movies. Yay. Yay. Which means he could only be trumped by Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. The only thing I don't like about Whedon is Our that Lord I was, and Savior, I was not a Buffy and I was not an Angel fan. I just could not stand those shows. Everything else, though, everything he touched was gold. Well, and, and it doesn't really matter if you did or didn't like those because those were considered geeky series. Yeah. Even during the writer's strike, he was probably one of the only ones that came out with something good. The Dr. Horton sing-along blog. <laughs> it, it was hella good, yeah. yeah. Uh, people also forget that he was involved in Toy Story. You know, he's he's involved in the upcoming Shield. Uh, he's he has worked so well up the line now that he is in charge of Disney's entire Marvel production. You know, nothing happens in the Marvel universe now in the film universe without going through him. That's a good position to be in. Yep. So I uh, agree with his number one slot here. Yeah. It's a good position for geeks to have him in because he is a big time geek, and to have a geek calling the shots on movies of that level—that's a big deal for us. Yeah, let's put it this way: you wouldn't want the Marvel films to be handled by a suit. Nope. Oh, no, no, no. And, and you know who I'm talking about or what I'm talking about when I say that. You want this in his hands or someone like him. So this is good for us. This is really good for us. And he's awesome with dialogue, too. No one does it like him. So that's their list and our thoughts on their list. What's yours? We really want to hear. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Is there one they missed? There's probably a few. Would you have redone their order? You can find the link in the show notes. Um, we need to move on, but we want to give a shout-out to all of our friends. We want to hear back from you, what you're thinking. Uh, until next time, cheers. End of line. One to beam up. Good day. Good day.